Father, we give you thanks and praise for joining us together as your church. Thank you that we are one in Christ. Help us by your spirit to make every effort to keep the, the unity that we have so that we will grow to maturity as we uh, long for that day when we will be with you in glory forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, as a child, as you were growing up, were you ever asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? Maybe you still don't know. Maybe that's a relevant question uh, now. Um, for my children, and I'm sure it was the same uh, for us growing up, they change their minds every five seconds. Uh, one minute they want to be an astronaut, then they want to be a vet or something uh, completely different, like a, the popular thing these days is a YouTuber, to make videos on YouTube, um, or to marry someone rich, uh, which has been my daughter's desire at some point. Uh, for me, I wanted to be a policeman, um, but it never happened. What if we were asked, to, what if we were to ask the church the same question? What would, you, what would you as the church like to be when you grow up? Or maybe to ask it in a different way. What does this church want to become? What is the goal for the life of the church? I wonder how you would answer that. Because we know the big picture, the big picture purpose uh, for the goal of the life of the church is to bring glory uh, to God. We see that in Ephesians 3, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Uh, God's purpose for the church uh, is that his wisdom will be known by all people, that people will see how wise his plan of salvation is will see that in Christ, uh, the salvation that the world needs and how great that gospel is. And what's God, God's means uh, for making that known and happen? It is his church. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. That is God's purpose. That the world will see his greatness and the greatness of Christ and what he has done, uh, that he will be glorified for who he is and what he has done. And, and the way that he wants to achieve that purpose is through his church. It's through us, through our witness as a church, as we go and proclaim the good news, as we declare to the world uh, all that God has done for us through Christ. Uh, and then as we've seen in recent weeks, as we live out our calling, uh, as living stones being built up into this spiritual house, as we live transformed lives, as each day we uh, become more and more like Jesus, God uh, is glorified. And that uh, is our purpose 
as a church. As we live at lives that are distinct and different from the world uh, around us. As we're devoted uh, to the fellowship and all those things that we looked at uh, the other week. And Paul ends at the first half of this letter to the Ephesians. Uh, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We bring glory to God uh, as we will see this morning as we look at this chapter from uh, this chapter 4 in Ephesians. Uh, by being built up, by being built up to maturity. Uh, that is, as we grow in our faith and our trust of Jesus, we become more and more like him. Uh, and through that, we bring glory to God. So at the end of our reading this morning, verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As a church, we're here, uh, united together as we'll see in a moment, being built up to maturity, uh, day by day being more like Christ. And as we do that, uh, God is glorified. We are one body. In Christ, we have been joined uh, together. We're united in him. And Paul says in verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. To keep this unity that we have as a church, uh, Paul gives us some characteristics of unity. Verse 1, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling you have been called by God. I urge you, Paul says to the Ephesians, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We're a new community. We've been uh, brought together as living stones because of our faith in the living stone and as this new community were to live lives worthy of that calling. It reminds me of um, a, a football club when they sign a new player. That player then has to adapt to the culture of that club, to the way that that club plays and functions. It reminds me of um, the Sir Alex Ferguson era at Man United. Every time they signed a new player, that player uh, had to learn the united way. They had to learn what it meant to wear that shirt on the pitch. But they also had to learn what it meant to live as a united player off the pitch. They needed to learn the united uh, way. And that is how it is to be for God's uh, church. We need to uh, live uh, in line with our calling. We're to live our lives in such a way uh, that show that we are part of God's church. And Paul says, this is what it looks like. Uh, it is to be completely humble. Humility was not a virtue 
as Paul wrote this letter to the culture around him. But it is to be one in the church. We're to be completely humble. That is where uh, to put others first. To put others first and be willing to put ourselves last. There's no place uh, for showing off in the church. There's no place for climbing over others uh, to get to the top. To get what we want. We're to be humble as we live lives worthy of the calling that we have. As well as humility, we're to be gentle, not putting others down, but being gracious with them. And as we're humble, uh, humility always produces gentleness. So somebody uh, in one of their commentaries uh, put it like this, Meekness or gentleness is the spirit of one who is so absorbed in seeking some worthy goal for the common good that he refuses to be deflected from it, from it by slights, injuries, or insults directed at himself personally or indeed by personal considerations of any kind. As we live lives of humility and gentleness, we'll seek the good of others. We'll put others before ourselves. He says to live this life that is worthy of the calling that we've received from God, we're to be patient, we're to um, bear with one another. And they go together. Patience and bearing with one another. Uh, and it's that idea of patience being uh, long-tempered rather than having a short temper, at being long-fused rather than having a, a short fuse. And it can be so easy for us at times to be uh, short with other people. It's, it can be easy for us uh, at times to find fault uh, in others, to be irritated uh, by one another. When we're ever tempted to be uh, short with other people, uh, we need to remember two things. The first thing is, remember the patience of God. How patient uh, is our Lord? Uh, constantly mankind rebel uh, and say no to God, yet God uh, is patient. He's kind. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. We just need to look at our own lives uh, to know the patience of God as he's been patient with us. And we need to remember um, there is a plank in our own eyes before we go around looking at the speck and trying to remove that uh, from other people's uh, eyes. This life that is worthy of the calling we've received is to be humble, gentle, patient, uh, bearing with one another. Uh, and the characteristic which joins all these together, the sort of foundation of them all is love. To love is to seek the welfare of others. It's to seek the good uh, of the church, of the community of those around us. It is to put others and their needs first. And who do we have as the perfect example of all these characteristics? Jesus. Jesus, just read the Gospels 
if you're not convinced by that. And as you read the Gospels and see the life of Jesus, you'll see his humility, his gentleness, his patience, uh, his bearing with others. You'll see his love, uh, his love shown as he uh, went to the cross and suffered there. We need to work hard. We must make every effort um, to keep the unity that we have in the Spirit. And that involves each of us fostering those characteristics that Paul mentions, those Christ-like characteristics of humility, of gentleness, of patience, of bearing with one another uh, in love. We must avoid the dangers that disrupt unity. Charles Simeon said, pride and self-promoting arrogance sow disunity, but a humble, gentle person is like a cooling breeze. We must work hard at fostering those characteristics if we're to um, keep the unity and grow to maturity as God's church. And we know that it's costly. When we live like that, it is uh, costly for us. But that is the life that is worthy of the calling that we've received in Christ Jesus. And Paul goes on then to remind them of the foundation for the unity that we have at verse 4. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. The foundation for the unity of the church is the unity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Seven times we read the word one in those few verses. There is one body, one church, because there is one spirit. There is one hope, one faith, one baptism, because there's one Lord. There is one Christian family, because there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There is one Christian family, one Christian faith, one Christian body, because there is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is our faith. That's the faith of the church. That's the conviction that we all hold to that binds us together, that binds us closer uh, together in a world that is hostile uh, towards uh, Christians. Christians believe that they live in a God-centered, God-controlled, God-sustained, God-filled world. And even more, that God indwells them and is working out his purpose through them. Where can such depth and breadth of unity be found as in the fellowship of those who share this faith and experience? We're united as one because God is one. What deep fellowship we have because we believe and hold uh, to that truth. So Paul makes it clear that we're united as one. Um, but he then moves on to say, although you are united as one, there is diversity in the body. Verse 7, 
However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Each member of God's body, of God's church, has been gifted by Christ. We've all been given a gift from God. Our skills, our talents are God-given. And they're given not for selfish gain, but for the good and benefit of others. Paul quotes from Psalm 68. It's a psalm that sings of victory, a freedom that God brought. And out of that victory, the spoils are given to the people. And Paul sees Christ as the one who fulfills Psalm 68. He's the one who fulfills it. He is the one who came from heaven, uh, who died on that cross, uh, bearing the sin of the world. He's the one who rose from the dead and then ascended back uh, into heaven. He is the one who won victory over sin uh, and death. And it's that same Jesus uh, who now rules in heaven. He's exalted uh, in heaven and he's the one who gives the spoils of his victory to his people. He is the one who gifts his church. So every one of us here this morning, as God's people, have been gifted by Christ. We've all got a gift. And Paul points out four gifts in particular. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Paul um, while he's speaking of this unity uh, and this aim of uh, growing, maturing Christ, he gives or he names four um, word gifts in particular. Because these four gifts had a specific role, a unique role in preparing God's people for works of service. The apostles and the prophets of the Old Testament and the New Testament, they laid the foundation. Uh, for the church, and we have uh, their teachings in the Bible, but they've been and gone. The evangelist and the pastor teacher, and together in the Greek, that those two um, are put together uh, as one uh, role. Uh, so the evangelist and the pastor teacher um, are around and needed today. The apostles and prophets laid the foundation, uh, but we still need the gifts of evangelist and the pastor teacher, um, as we'll see in a moment. The evangelists uh, are those who uh, bring unbelievers to faith in Christ. The pastor teacher are those who teach uh, the people of God. It's their job to shepherd uh, the flock under the good shepherd, uh, Jesus. They teach the word of God. John Stott, the pastor, uh, the minister, says, nothing builds up the church better than the word of God. And so I think uh, Paul mentions these four gifts in particular because these gifts build up the body. They are essential to the healthy growth of the church. And so can I ask that you pray uh, for us, 
for those in a role like mine who uh, preach and teach God's word. Pray for us that we'll uh, be faithful in that task that we've been given. These gifts are important, uh, but they're not all there is. As I've said, each one of us has been gifted by God. Uh, and these gifts um, of verse 11 that Paul mentions, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and uh, pastors and teachers, uh, are given uh, so that the people uh, are equipped for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So think of it like an orchestra. Everyone's playing uh, their part uh, with the leader, uh, keeping everyone in time. Everyone is needed and everyone plays their own unique and special part. Uh, so whether that's the lead clarinet or the one with the triangle at the back, each gift uh, is important. And we must be using our gift uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up uh, to maturity. Are you using your God-given gifts uh, for the benefit of the whole body? Are you involved in using your gifts or are you a spectator uh, on the side? Whatever the gift uh, that you have been given by God, uh, we must be using that uh, so that the whole church may be built up into maturity. And do you know the one thing that we can all do that encourages each other, that builds each other up, uh, is to be here with each other, uh, to see uh, people sat next to us and across from us. Just by turning up on a Sunday morning uh, is a wonderful encouragement to each one of us uh, as we seek to be built up in Christ. As we work uh, to keep the unity, uh, as we live uh, like Christ lived, as we're equipped uh, for works uh, in the church, for the building up of the body, that we will then grow to maturity. To equip his people for the works so that the body of Christ may be built up unto all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The gifts of the evangelist and the pastor teacher to prepare people, uh, the people of God, uh, for works of service so that we might reach uh, maturity, so that we'll attain uh, the whole measure of fullness in Christ. In its fullest sense, we'll only reach that maturity um, when we reach heaven. But it should be our aim each and every day to be growing more and more like Christ. And as we do that, we'll long to grow in our understanding and our love uh, of together. We need each other uh, to grow and mature in Christ. Like a boat uh, on the sea in a storm, 
by every uh, new and fancy teaching that comes along because our anchor uh, will be in Christ and his word. We'll speak the truth in love, literally truth in, in love. We'll lovingly apply the word of God into the lives of our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. Together, as God's people, as we grow and are built up, uh, as we head towards maturity, we'll be discerning uh, about uh, teachings and doctrines. As we grow as a healthy church, we will speak the truth uh, in love. And so we need to know the scriptures. We need to read it and study it. We need to store it up as treasure in our hearts. We do that by ourselves and we do that uh, with others. And so are you doing that? What do you need to do uh, to foster that and facilitate that? And as we began, uh, so we end with love underpinning all that we do. We are united in Christ as his new community, the church. Uh, and as we live our lives worthy of the calling we have, uh, we will bring him glory. As we're characterized by humility and gentleness and patience, uh, with bearing with one another uh, and love, he will be glorified. As we are built up uh, more and more each day to be uh, like Jesus. As we use our gifts of the word, uh, as the word of God is applied and taught to our lives we will become more like Christ until we reach that destination that final destination of heaven where we'll be fully mature so let's work hard at unity let's use the gifts that we have for the good of our brothers and sisters around us Let's remember that we are one church, uh, united in Christ, being built up in him. All for his praise and for his glory. Amen.